Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, June 6th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Bob Ryer. Uh, happy D-Day. And that is it. Uh, our That's usual, it? It's it. Oh. Our usual fourth chair, Stephanie, is out of town, so she cannot be with us. More out of, out of town for her. She's always ta- out of town yeah. for us. But she's <laughs> out of town time for her. Zones it's and, so true. Yeah. yeah. planet, maybe. So she is not with us. Um, and uh, our other attempt to get a co-host also failed. Apparently nobody wants to hang out with us. Uh, but you know, it's always good company and good drink and whatever. So who the hell with these yeah. other people? It's us. In brightest air, blackest night, Bob. We'll keep doing no this evil podcast. Evil shall escape my sight. Yeah, let's. <laughs> um, that's a little foreshadowing. Something we'll talk about later. Yeah. But um, for right now, uh, before we came to record, I was uh, cruising the interwebs like I, I'm, I'm wont to do, and uh, a couple stories popped up, came to my attention that people out there might be interested in um fox registered a trademark for an x-men film called x-men colon days of future past yes um which is to people who have read the x-men or watched the animated series know that storyline because it was it's featured obviously in both um bob why don't you give a quick rundown of what days of future past is about where we're at is a dystopian future where the Mutant Registration Act has taken itself to its logical conclusion. Concentration camps, Mm. death camps, superheroes gone, only a few left. Rachel Summers, who's sort of the phoenix, Mm -hmm. sends back the essence of Kitty Pryde back into her young body in an attempt to stop the assassination of Senator Kelly, who we know from the regular X-Men movies. And we go from there, flashing backwards and forwards, Mm -hmm. sentinels galore. Right. Amazingly touching. Everything's in play. People who haven't read it, I'm not going to start spoiling mm. this one with a movie coming. It is one of the great X-Men storylines. It's Claremont Byrne. Just amazing, amazing stuff. Can't wait if this is the truth. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously X-Men First Class, this is a sequel to X-Men First Class. Um, that X-Men film is based in the in the 60s. And very far away from the X-Men universe of the first three films, mm-hmm. or first four films even. Um, in that series, and Wexman First Class is a, is a really good movie, and I, I think that, I think that it it bodes well for the sequel. In any way, that's a great start to and go. Still from. Matthew Vaughn. Still Matthew Vaughn. Um, the thing that hurt that movie, I think, financially, is the fact that Wolverine is not a character in, in X Men First Class, and he has become as much as he's a big deal in the Marvel universe has become 
an even bigger deal in movies. Sure. To the point where he, it's one of the biggest characters in movies right now. You put Wolverine in a movie, even a bad movie, and it opens big, right? So Wolverine in a Tyler Perry movie, I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd get me to see one of those. Um, so I, I, there was a funny kind of word about, not funny, but an interesting take saying that this is maybe their way of being able to bring Hugh Jackman and Wolverine back into the fold of this X-Men universe by doing a future storyline with him in it. Um, as well as the other X-Men universe characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because in essence, you're 20 years out. Yeah. No reason you couldn't have Storm. Yeah, Storm. Couldn't have Colossus. Yeah, they, they could definitely come in, which would be interesting. Steve? We're not doing this just so that we can get Hugh Jackman into the next X-Men movie, are we? Like, yes. Is, well, is that, I, I'm, that... I'm not saying that this... I mean, this this might be a way for them to do it. It's a great story. Right. On top of everything else. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the funny thing is, this story has been used in other comic books and other mediums a lot. I mean, if you look at most of the future storylines in that show Heroes, it's pretty much this story that they've they kind of like shaped into their own deal, which is an event happens in the past, the heroes in the future come back to try to change that one event. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what that story is. Um, I, I just actually just read it before we started recording because I, I had seen it in the animated series but never actually read the books. And... Which animated series are you? Is it the first original? X-Men, the, yeah. the first X Men animated series. The 90s series. one? Yeah, the 90s yeah. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's what I'm talking about. But I, I read, the, I read the, the story, which is only two issues. And it would make for a great movie. And it's interesting because it has characters that they've introduced, right? So it has. Um, it has Moira Metagrin in it, which mm-hmm. is the character we've already we already we already know. Obviously, I would be very interested to see what they do, how far in the future X Men First Class Two is going to be set in the first place, like the the baseline story. Is it still going to be in the sixties? I'm I'm thinking not. I think we're going to be at least a couple years out from that. Uh, I think he had speculated about the Kennedy assassination being right. part of this movie. If if that's the assassination, you could then tie it together with that and yeah. then leap fifty or sixty years forward. That's true. That's interesting. Um, Steve, wh- I mean, you you kind of sounded negative about that. Do you not like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine in the X Men movies? Uh, the first two, nobody likes the third and the fourth one. If they do, <laughs> they don't have any any you know. Um, discerning um, do we all knowledge. own them? I'm sure. I, I don't really, really. I really don't care. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Did you not like First Class? No, I love First Class. Okay. I thought First Class was the best of the X Men. I'm not a big fan of the X Men movies. Period. Okay. Like I don't. I didn't really like. I mean, watching them now, I like them a little better. Mm-hmm. But if somebody asked me, "Oh, you want to sit down and watch a comic book movie?" They would be at like the bottom of my list. I just don't. There's something about them. I I feel like they don't. They don't do. Like let's I I hate to I'm not holding everything up to Avengers now but I feel like I never got to see people do what I wanted them to do and you can argue that it was mm-hmm. just the time oh, oh. and I think we'd both agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like I just like Storm for example. Mm-hmm. What does she do? What does she really do? She stands there mm-hmm. and she stares and her yeah. eyes go white and you know weather yeah, and I understand that that's her power and shit, but like it's more dynamic than that though in the comic right. books. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yes, you know, like yeah. Gale Force winds mm-hmm. and stuff. She's spitting out horrible one-liners. I know it was a Joss Whedon line, whatever, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's, um, it's one of the know. worst lines in movie history. What happens? <laughs> yeah. tone, I, guess, um, I mean, I've said this before on the show. I don't real as much as I watch movies, as much as I love movies. I don't really find myself attaching myself to actors. 
I just don't care. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter as far as him as Wolverine. Well, I like Wolverine inside of the comics a billion times more than I've ever liked him in any of the movies that they've put him in. I gotcha. f- feel like he's like the idea of them trying to shoehorn him into the next one just to get Hugh Jackman in your movie. Like, I hope that the uh, the idea is bigger than that. Well, it is bigger than that. I, I don't think it's an idea to shoehorn Jackman. Yeah. I think it's an idea to get Wolverine into the story. I'd like for them to recast Wolverine. Well, they can do that too. Uh, when I'm, I'm, but I'm saying they're not going to do that right now. Hugh Jackman is going to yeah. be playing Let's, Wolverine in another Wolverine movie, yeah. so they're not going to recast him. Is he him. in the new one? Yeah, Ugh. called Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, all right. Yeah, right. uh, I will. So go ahead, Bob. It is one of the iconic storylines in X Men history, mm-hmm. and the, they're willing to go for this. is a really big story. Lots of superheroes, Sentinels, the whole mess of it, the parallel universes, futures. Mm-hmm. They're embracing the larger Marvel universe that those first movies didn't. Right. With without those though, we don't get to where we are today. No, absolutely so not. So I'll give them a pass on that. Yes. It sounds like we've got in Matthew Vaughn a guy saying, "No, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Let's go for it. And if I can get the regular audience who came to see the Avengers in droves mm. to come see my X Men movie by putting Hugh Jackman in it, and I make a cool movie with huge implications, mm. go for it." Is he really that much of a draw, though? Do yes. Do people yes. like him that yes. much? Yes. Well, Steve, Why? because, Steve, he is the X-Men movies, and, the, and like it or not, next in, in addition with Spider-Man, those are the proto-superhero movies of what we're seeing right now. We don't get yeah. the Avengers. We don't, even, we don't even get Iron Man without X-Men, most likely. Yeah. You know? And yes, those movies are hamstrung by the fact that Fox didn't believe in them at the time. They were basically saying, okay, we'll make this thing. Hopefully, it'll make, you know, $70 million and we'll be able to call it a wash because that's what Blade had made previously. Would have made twice that or two and a half times. And Brian Singer, who was hired to direct direct this movie, having directed The Usual Suspects and App Pupil, believed in those movies in in a big way. In the second movie, he wanted to do Sentinels. And after that, he wanted to do a two part a two-part Dark Phoenix saga, like properly done the way it was supposed to be done. It's set up. It's right yeah. there. And and Fox pulled that rug out from underneath him, and they did what they did with the third movie. The Last Stand. Yeah, The Last yeah. Stand, which is not a good movie at all. Um, X-Men 2, for a long time, was pr- close to my favorite comic book movie until this new round of movies has come about. I um, The... What they do get right, they don't get the big characters right. Like they don't get Storm right. They don't get Rogue right in those movies. Um, they don't get, even get Cyclops right in those movies at all. They get they they pretty much butcher his character in a lot of ways. But in that second movie, in that scene in the school when Wolverine goes crazy, like they get he gets Wolverine right in and that that's scene. About the only time that you really see him go to town. Oh yeah, and that yeah. second movie yeah. is that second movie is the only one in the series to me that. Is is a is a great movie. I think X Men One is good, and I, I think X and X Two is great. Um, Everyone gets a moment. Yeah, everyone has a shot, and I think they have the Gene Wolverine Scott thing. They right. They do. They have that interpersonal relationship right. Yeah. They haven't got his powers right, and they never had the budget, even when they were doing big time, to get all those characters together doing all the cool things that they do. If if you can get in this movie Wolverine being awesome and letting Hugh Jackman be Wolverine who's Wolverine. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Would I like somebody who is five foot two and big and squat to be Wolverine? Yes. But in this moment, in this time, I pretty much think Hugh Jackman will be allowed to play that role until he doesn't want to play it anymore. Um, so 
but from what I've heard about the Wolverine, which now James Mangold is making, was going to be Aronofsky, but he dropped out of the movie. This is going to take you back. This is going to be the fierce, hugely built, you know, you know, cranky Wolverine that Mm -hmm. was missing from the Origins movie in Mm -hmm. a a lot of ways. And it's going to be taking a lot from the Claremont uh, Miller. Yeah, those that four stories when he goes to Japan. Um, But Days of Future Past is a great thing to go for, and. It proves, the story I read said, we're living in a post-Avengers world. And that means that now this crazy stuff that they never would have done before is possible to do. Um, so I'm excited. I mean, you should check check it out. Uh, I'm, well, I feel like I'm, I, I'm excited about the movie, the yeah. idea. Just the mm-hmm. question was the Wolverine question. Yeah, which I totally, it, yeah. listen, dude, I, I'm glad that you're here saying that because neither of us are saying that, you know? Right. So it's good you have that opinion. And it's interesting to me to hear that because... Um, for a while, to me, the only thing Hugh Jackman was good for was Wolverine. He also has gotten past that. You this know what point. I think did it? Real Steel. Yeah, well, that's him playing another character. It you know? killed him for me. <laughs> he's he's. I think he's good as Wolverine, but I fucking hate yeah. that movie so much. I'm sure it's bad. It was Rock'em Sock'em like Robots, robots. The movie. Yeah. Oh, it was so much worse than that. It's kids <laughs> dancing, and it's awful. Yeah, it's awful. I hated it. So I don't, I'm excited. This. This is a good news, and this is interesting to see where they're going to go with this. I'm sure that just like now, X Men First Class, the movie is nothing like X Men First Class, the comic. No, but this this name has more weight to it than First Class did. Mm-hmm. First Class was a way of telling people this is a story about the first class of X Men. You know, this story means a lot to a lot of people, um, and I'm interested to see what they do with it. I, I'm sure it won't be exactly letter. To the, what that story no, is, but we can because of changing timelines, you can now blend yeah the comic and cinematic universes. The, mm. the cinematic universe has been fairly consistent with, with what they set out to do. Yeah, we can now move people up and backwards in time. We yeah. can create whatever we need to mm-hmm. moving forward. If you decide to do a classic X Men, there they are. You can do whatever you want now. Right, because interesting when when Fox did um, First Class, I you know it was is this a reboot? Is this in the universe? And then once you see you know, Mystique looks like Rebecca Romaine for for a, yeah, a, a second, a and we get that great one line cameo <laughs> yeah. by Jackman, yeah. um, which is more Wolverine than probably he's ever been in any of the other yeah. movies. Um, obviously, it's tied now to that other universe, so that's good in a way, but also it gives them baggage in a way. You know that they have to kind of work within that framework now of the crazy like expansive timeline they've set up, where they've gone from the 2000s to the 60s. You know, At the forties, we've got Magneto in World War II. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot to deal with there, um, and it's interesting to see what they can do because they have a big universe. The X Men themselves are a big universe. So Fox has the opportunity to work within a rather large universe um, of their own. Much like I feel like, from what I've seen and heard about the new Spider-Man movie, Sony is going to start doing with the Spider-Man franchise oh. in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I haven't heard who the cameo is at the end of the movie, but I have I have an idea of who it's going to be. And I think it's going to open up like a larger kind of Spider-Man universe in, well, a, lot, in a lot of ways. I haven't heard, but, but I've just heard that okay. about it. Okay. Um, so moving on real quick, uh, they also announced today, not announced, but heavily rumored from a lot of viable sources that Black Panther is going to be the next um, Marvel movie to come after Captain America in 2014. So the, I guess the summer of 2014 is the proposed time for that to happen. Great character. He's certainly an Avenger eventually. Mm. Yeah. Actually, he's Cap's replacement, so that, that mm. could play into that. Mm. They, they do have some of the same skills. It's Vibranium and Wakanda, which we've now seen in two different movies. Mm. 
Uh, let's go for it. It's, it's doing what they like to do apparently now, which is they like to create worlds, right? They did it with Thor. They did it a lot with Captain America too, p- making it a period movie. And Wakanda offers up a lot of interesting scapes and diff- a totally different look. And they can also do a, a fish out of water story if he if he goes to America. So well, he's you know, he leads this country, which mm. is both in the jungle and completely advanced technologically beyond. Right. Anything. He's Tony Stark, but lives in the middle of the jungle. Right. And he is featured heavily in Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I'm like two episodes away from finishing volume four. Okay. So I've like gotten like 27 episodes under my belt. Nice. So he's a pretty yeah. good, he's a pretty cool character. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Uh, cool weapons, interesting take. I, I think that you could really, you could really do a cool movie with him. And I think. Brian's casting for him on this site was really good. Uh, Chitwell, Elgil Four, I can never say his name right, but he's, <laughs> yeah. he's you know, in a, a ton of things. Too bad Stephanie's not here. We could have asked her to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think great character. I mean, Bob, you know more about that character than any of us. Well, he starts out by basically taking out the Fantastic Four. And he's one guy without mm-hmm. powers. But he's right. smart enough to manipulate them into positions where their powers don't work mm-hmm. or he can drug them down a little bit. And get into a fist fight with the thing and win. Right. Pretty smart guy. Nice. Pretty smart fella. And it's good because it's adds another character to the Avengers, a character that should be there in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. But um, enough about the movie universe. Let's get talk about some comic books. Um, that is the title of this thing, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. it's talking comics. Uh, Steve, why don't you start out? You got a little bit of a different thing to to lay on us here. Yeah. Um, I actually have a, a book. I'm not quite sure of what year it came out, but I'll just start talking about it. It's from uh, Joe Kelly, uh, is the writer, and the art is um, it's J M. I don't know if it's Jim, but <laughs> Ken uh, Naimaru or Mura Nimura. <laughs> Where's <laughs> Stephanie when we need her? I am taking over. She'll be when she hears this. She'll be so proud. She'll weep. She will weep. Anyway, the book is from Image. It's called I Kill Giants. Um, it's a seven issue run. I, I absolutely loved it. I loved it on a lot of levels. Um, I didn't get weepy, okay, but I might as well have like, like on the inside. Uh, what it is, is it's a, a young girl, probably middle school, maybe the beginning of like junior high. And, um, her name is Barbara. And she's got a really overactive imagination. She lives in a house with this older girl and um, this 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 boy. And there's these other there's other boys uh, at their place. And she's the dungeon master. They play D and D together. Okay. Um, she has a very overactive imagination, and she keeps talking about giants. She keeps saying that a giant is coming. Mm-hmm. And there's all different types. There's snow giants, there's frost giants, there's titans, there's all all these things. And everybody's very concerned about her. She's got a big mouth. She's not afraid to hit people, mm-hmm. which is kind of like people talk back to her. She just slaps them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, she she's a spitfire. But the biggest thing about this book was that for what for everything that was going on, I didn't trust the main character. And when you're reading a book where you don't trust the person's yeah. perspective that you're you're watching all of this stuff unfold from, it puts you at a at a very precarious like reading standpoint. Mm-hmm. And and at one point, Barbara early on in the book, I think even maybe in the first issue or the second issue, 
she makes a friend, uh, Sophia. She's like new to the school or she just meets her, so on and so forth. And there's a um, there's a guidance counselor that she's asked to go and see because she's always acting out and making, you know, snarky remarks in class. She's also very smart. I should mm-hmm. probably point that out, that she's okay. not she's not just like a kid who's outlandish or whatever. Um at one point they're in a session, and this isn't giving anything away really, but the the guns counselor, she tells her about the new friend. She's like, by the way, she's real. And she's like, is she? Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me mm-hmm. because it was it was only one line, it was one thing. And because she said that, now I had to think about whether or not Sophia was a figment of her imagination mm-hmm. because she imagines all these other things. Right. And I'm looking and thinking, I'm like, nobody's interacted with this with this character yet. And I and like for like three and a half issues, I'm like, it's just the two of them. It's just mm-hmm. the two of them. And it put me at such a weird disadvantage, but mm-hmm. it also intrigued me at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually, it's revealed, and I was just like, "Holy crap!" Like this whole time, I, I've been so confused as to what was going on, and I absolutely loved being placed in that position mm-hmm. as the reader. Um, the themes of the book, um, death, is a huge, huge part of this book. Um, not from a sad standpoint. Not there isn't there isn't tons of death in the book. Mm-hmm. But um, it's coming to grips with things. It's like, again, a kid with an overactive imagination. And perhaps the best part about it is that that uncertainty, like the example of the friend, Mm -hmm. there's other things that occur in the book that you really don't know if it actually happened or if it was just part of her imagination or people feeding into her psychoses like it read like that. Mm-hmm. And like I, I was telling you guys earlier, I was at a party with like, you know, 30, 40 some odd people, there's dance parties in two different places. And eventually I got tired. I'd been there all day mm-hmm. and I sat on the couch and I read in the middle of this party the last four <laughs> issues because I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. Mm-hmm. I had to know. Um, so absolutely wild. I, I really, I mean, I know like, Sometimes when you really love something, you want to jump the gun and you want, oh, it's one of my favorite books mm-hmm. ever. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised that if I sat down for like a day or two, if this didn't make it into my top 10. Um, mm-hmm. oh. It really, I can't say too much because I don't want to spoil things. Mm-hmm. But the end of the book really, really, really hit me really fucking hard. Um, a lot of memories that I have were connected to this. And all of a sudden, the the face and who this character is, it, it changed mm-hmm. everything. And I, I felt like 6,000 different things at once by the end of this book. So if, uh-huh. a, com- if a comic book can do that, yeah. that's gotta be, it's got to be my book of the week. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's called I Kill Giants, put out from Image. You could find it on, it's on Amazon for like 10 bucks, the whole thing. Uh, it's incredible. And the, the art is absolutely spectacular. If you're a fan of, uh, of anime or just like... Manga in general, it's got a very, uh, very much Japanese look to it. Um, on purpose, I would imagine, mm-hmm. based on the they have little comics of the um, the creative process between uh, Joe and and Jim JM whatever. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's it's is there a because, vowel in there or something? No, it's look, it's just JM. Jim. But yeah, Jim. <laughs> but but um, uh, yeah, I I I really yeah. I urge people to seek it out. It's a very Different book. Um, it might upset you, but 
that's not always necessarily a bad thing. Not at all. So, yeah, I Kill Giants. Check it out. Very nice, very nice. Um, Bob, what about you? Sure. Well, if we're... I'm, I'm doing a sort of split one. I'll try to do two really quickly. Um, this first one, it's Next Men Aftermath 43, and riffing off something Steve is doing here, we're into a 20 years worth of storyline here that I don't want to give too much away that turns out is now come back around on itself and maybe what we thought was happening was in somebody's mind for all these years. We have a wonderful little two-page spread of what seems to be New York now sitting in the middle of a desert. Oh, that's pretty cool. For no particular reason, except, well, we have to find out. And it, what it's going to do, next issue maybe is probably the last issue that he's going to do another miniseries apparently. I want to go back and now reread the whole thing. And he talks on his website and says, somebody mentioned that to him, to John Byrne, and he said, these are the words I dread hearing. Because now someone is going to go through all these books and find the things that don't quite match up that I didn't really remember either. And it's not about that. It's about playing with those elements Mm -hmm. and not trying to be slavish to what was happening. So if you haven't started reading this, go for it. Go ahead, Steve. No, I was just going to say, that's what I Kill Giants did for me was that it was like – it was messing with my reality. Like my ability to grasp what was going on in the book. Like I really just did not trust what was going on. And even in the end, I still have questions, but that that was the purpose of it. He didn't mm-hmm. answer them on purpose. Right, yeah. Go back and rediscover. Find right. your own answers. They could be different well, and different for everybody as you read them. Like I said, like things that I don't know if it really happened that way and they're just covering for her or if it was something else because they allude to two different ends. And I just the fact that I don't know makes me want to read it over again. Yeah. Well, here in Next Month, we have two versions of the same character speaking to each other. Mm-hmm. from different timelines as they've you know, no, I crossed. Love I love it when they do that. Uh, the other thing is is the month's usual uh, Jonathan Hickman goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's Future Foundation, which Steve has a pile of but hasn't yet read. I have every one of them, including that one, uh, and I have not read Bobby, have you? I have not. I, I got very confused reading the when I kind of I kind of jumped on it at the same time. I jumped on Fantastic Four. Um, because they were tied together that mm-hmm. first like those that first like issue or whatever six hundred and whatever number we were right. at with Future Foundation, um, and then I tried to keep reading Future Foundation and didn't understand what I was reading, so okay. I just kind of stopped. This is a good place <laughs> to jump on. Mm-hmm. This is number eighteen. <laughs> okay, where we're at here is Johnny is teaching the kids, which is Dragon Man and a clone of the Wizard and some Moloids and one of the Power Pack kids. Yay. Because everybody else is away. Reed and Sue are in some other dimension, and Ben's doing something, so he's going to teach. Mm-hmm. They're always vacationing in some yeah. other dimension. Dimension, that's what they do. They're yeah. explorers. Yeah. Um, it begins to go south when they start asking about reproduction. Okay. <laughs> and he doesn't really have an answer as they start talking about being eggs. I wonder if they still handle that the same way we do in the future. Yeah. He <laughs> tries to do that. <laughs> And then decides that the better way to tell this whole story is to take a road trip into the negative zone. <laughs> uh, Mr. Storm, wasn't it a problem the last time you were there, you kind of died? <laughs> <laughs> and they go on a road trip and things don't go well because, well, Johnny's leading a road trip. Mm-hmm. We end up into free elections in the negative zone. And I'm not going to say anything else. But if you haven't picked up Future Foundation, if you have been just started back on FF from 600 to 605, 606, Go for this one. You'll have a blast. It's funny. It sets up another storyline moving forwards. 
great read. Last month was the Spider-Man one, right? Right. Spider-Man. So you mm-hmm. can even probably start reading that one because that one doesn't yeah, really tie standalone. into the standalone. Yeah. I just totally got a flashback to, you know what I'm talking about, the Simpsons episode with the fluffy and fuzzy bunny. Yeah. <laughs> Aid survived. <laughs> um, so is that it, Bob? That's it. All right. What's up for you? So um, I had a tough time this week picking a book of the week. I, I, read, a, I read a lot of stuff, and I wanted to talk first quickly about um, the annuals that came out, because we had three annuals that came mm-hmm. out last week. We had the Amazing Spider-Man annual, number 40-something, and we had yeah. Animal Man annual, yeah. number one, and Batman annual, number mm-hmm. one. Um, those, of course, being called number one now because they reboot the universe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so this is really um, my first time around now like reading annuals, because this is the first really year I've been buying comic books regularly. They're a treat. Um, so three very different uh, annuals in, in a lot of ways. Um, Animal Man, I'll start with Animal Man, is kind of intrinsic to the story of the arc, which you you kind of need to read it. You know, it, it's if you don't read this annual, you're going to be out a lot of information. Hmm. I just want to say, I read Animal Man before I came here. Mm-hmm. It was fucking awesome. It is. It is awesome. Yeah. It was so good. It's just like reading another issue of the book. It, it's and it gives you a history lesson into the rot and the green and the red. It, you know, it's uh, this avatar of the red telling um, Little Wing, uh, Maxine, the story of, you know, past avatars of the red and past avatars of the green. So, like, a, a past Swamp Thing and a past, like, Animal Man, basically. No, but now, not directly tied into the most recent issue, but just a, more of an overview? It actually, it take, it kind of starts off after issue nine is over. It doesn't deal with... It doesn't progress the story, okay, but it gives you a ton of background on the whole war that's going on, basically setting up what the future is, and it sets up the, the kind of outlines the fact that, yes, the rot right now is trying to take over the world and it's bad, but at different times, each of these forces has tried to take over from the other two and tried to upset the balance. So there was a time where the green tried to take over the world and the rot and the red had to team up to take down the green. And vice versa. It just happens right now that the Rot has gotten too bold and too brave, and they're trying to take over the world. And basically, when they take over the world, everything dies. So it's not a very good world to live in. That's great. That's old-time Marvel annual storytelling. Mm-hmm. DC's annuals were standalone, basically, mm-hmm. collections and a news story that didn't matter much. Gotcha. Marvel's annuals were Submariner attacks New York. Mm-hmm. Or it's the origin of Doctor Doom, or Reed and Sue get married, or... Mm-hmm. Avengers 56 and Annual 2 are two sides of the same story from different alternate futures oh, okay. back and forth. And they always tried. Spider-Man's parents, who we'll hear about in the movie, yeah. come from a Spidey Annual. So that's a great idea. Yeah. Make, make sure you have to read it. Yeah, yeah, you do. It'll you give have you to some read information it. that makes it important. Yeah, and again, it's it's another book from Jeff Lemire, and it, it's just it's gonna give you it's giving you a real prelude into. What's it's gonna be like when Swamp Thing and Animal Man are in the same book? I mean, they tease you on the on the cover that Swamp Thing's in this book, but it's not the it's not the Alec Holland Swamp Thing. But, oh, but yeah, which it's, it's a past Swamp Thing. Yeah, it's the uh, the anorexic. Yeah, yeah, he's swamp a, thing. he looks like a, like a little skinny treaty. Uh, but you 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 said it was great, right? So if you liked it too, oh, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I was making my tacos and reading <laughs> it next to the stove, and I was just like, it's I love. I just I've never read like Animal Man before and I love how they they hearken back to maybe one of the first I mean he was obviously Yeah, I think that I, but I think this is a story that Lemire and Snyder are kind of creating. Right. I, this is they've they've turned Animal Man into a like a kind of intrinsic character in this universe and he wasn't that before. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was awesome. Mm. I the I love the creatures. I love the art mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I love the way the whole thing was. I mean, we could talk about how it was set up. Oh yeah, absolutely. About the the avatar. Um, or not the avatar. Uh, Maxine's the avatar, yeah. but. The it's like an agent of the red. It's yeah, the representative oh. yeah. of of the red is is this cat. It's mm. and it's it's got a pee. <laughs> so the little girl follows it into the woods, and she's like, "I want you to tell me a story. I'm sick and tired of everywhere we go. There's danger. Take a pee break and tell me a story." Yeah, and that's oh, how it's that's what up. it is. Yeah, and it's a great issue. And again, if you're reading Animal Man, you didn't pick this up because you're like, "Oh, uh, annual. It's not part of the story, or it's a little too much money." Pick it up and read it. It's really important, and it's a really good story. Um, staying with DC, and then we have Batman Annual Number One, which, um, you know, it it incorporates itself into the main storyline in, in a very kind of side way by you know setting up Freeze as someone who has helped. It puts Freeze behind an important technology that the the Court of Owls uses in in their everyday existence. But the main purpose of the book is to reintroduce Mr. Freeze into the New 52 and um, Scott Snyder and I think his name is James Tinian, Tinian, um, is... Yeah, you got it. Yeah. (laughs) um, The fourth. Kind of redo (laughs) Freeze's origin in in a way. Um, Bob does not like it. (laughs) Unhappy. Go ahead. Um... There's a twist at the end. I mean, it's sets up very some of the similar things, right? Freeze, you know, trying to save Nora is the basis of the story, but they don't want to ruin this surprise for people. Yeah, I'm not saying anything. They I'm flop it in in an interesting way. Uh, says you. <laughs> for you, for you, it was interesting. For me, it was sort of a dissolution of what made him special before. Right, but I've. I mean, the thing about it is, like, I've seen those stories, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So. I don't really need to see another story like that. If they want to do something different with him, whilst I still feel like they're still keeping the thing that made him interesting, they just, that to, to freeze, it's still the same motivation. It's just on the outside, it's not necessarily the same anymore. What I find interesting is th- this idea of freeze as this sympathetic character was created by Paul Dini yes. in, in, in the animated series, the, in, in Heart of Ice, right? That's what it's called? Yes. It's funny to think that because to me, because that's my first exposure to Freeze, that's who he is to me. I didn't even know that there was something before that, you know? Uh, he was a nothing before. Go ahead. Well, point of note is that um, I just, well, I, I guess I'll reveal it now. Um, my next article for Joe Blow for mm. Ink and Pixel is actually Batman the Animated Series. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Mr. Freeze was really like a nothing uh, nothing villain mm-hmm. up until the Heart of Ice episode. That yeah. was like everybody was in agreement that that mm-hmm. actually put him on the map yeah. because yeah. it gave him it gave him emotions mm-hmm. and it gave him, you know, reason and a backstory before that. He was just kind of like an emotionless cold and that mm-hmm. one, that's not enough. Right. You know, yeah. so just a bad guy with a weapon. Right. right. Which it, had been done in Flash. Captain mm-hmm. Cold was yeah. doing the same thing he was doing. Exactly. So who really cared? Yeah. Look, the animated series did so well with, with fans, they did a whole movie with Mr. Freeze, Sub-Zero, Sub-Zero yeah. which is also excellent. Yeah, yeah. Not as good as Mask of the Phantasm, though. Mask of the Phantasm no, rules. <laughs> Absolutely. Until, until like, the Dark Knight came out, I was like, that's the best Batman movie. That's what I would yeah. always say. Um, the last of the annuals is a Marvel annual. It's the Amazing Spider-Man annual number 39. Oh. So it wasn't 40-something. Um, I'm getting teary just you saying the numbers. This uh, story is a side story. 
it's a what if story. It's Grady at Horizon Labs, who was responsible, obviously, for the the time travel snafu that happened. The dopey door. That, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the doorway to tomorrow um, is figuring out a way to take matter out of existence because then it will never go bad. It'll never Your spoil. bread will never rot. Yeah. But the problem is when you do that, people forget that it exists. You know, because it didn't exist. It doesn't. You know, so it this gets turned basically on Peter Parker and it ends up being living, coming up in a world where Spider-Man has never existed. And the basis of the book is kind of, okay, I never existed, but is it better that I was never alive? Yeah. Norman, you know? Norman Osborn cures cancer. Yeah. And is it because I didn't bug him yeah. all these years? Is it Mary Jane is a superstar actress you know, um, Jonah's president. Yeah, Jonah's president. Um, he's uh, we have a surplus. Uh, yeah. You know, and Uncle Ben is alive. Yeah, uh, and what happens is Spider-Man is going around the world and in these kind of chrono quakes, they call them, where he starts flashing back to times in his past. They're like disturbances because the universe is trying to right itself, and he's the epicenter of it. These chrono quakes cause. Tony Stark to be like, hey, something crazy's happening. Let's go figure it out. So they kind of go to Spider-Man and the two the, the two groups together, Spider-Man and the Avengers, go through basically Peter's history and we get kind of a an overview of the history of Spider-Man in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. With the, the art changes up when they go to different time yeah. periods. And it has a really emotional ending to it. An extremely emotional ending to do, doing with dealing with a character who, I mean, dealing with Uncle Ben, who is a character that is the, like, one of the few characters in comic books that stays dead, yeah. you know. And we only occasionally see as a floating ghostly head in yeah. a panel. <laughs> now we get to see Uncle Ben. So, as a big Spider-Man fan, remind me a lot of in a different way the Avenging Spider-Man we talked about a couple weeks, a whole months ago now with, Cap- with Captain America. Yes. Um, Bob, you read it. What did you think of it? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. The the panel where he first starts to say, maybe this world is better off without me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Peter. Because mm-hmm. it's always about what's best for everyone else. Yeah. He's taken a lot of lumps over the years trying to make sure Aunt May and this one and that one are taken care of. And he is going to sacrifice everything. Right. So, no, wait a minute. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. And as it starts to move through and he discusses with the Avengers what's going on, it's really poignant. Yeah, especially we get to Forest Hills and see Uncle Ben. Yeah, it then takes that huge leap into just heart wrenching. Yeah, A yeah, brilliant book, absolutely brilliant. Right. And our writer and artist here are uh, it's, uh, Brian Reed. His, his last name is yeah. Reed, and uh, Garrett is the is the yeah. artist's last name. Kudos, oh, kudos to, to both. To look. Yeah, because you asked me while you were reading it, you said yeah. this is Dan Slott, and I said no. Um, Steve, you did you read yeah, it? Yeah, I read it. Um, I kind of want to read it again, because okay. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I want to read it again. I, I, you know, I read it right before the show, yeah. and, and whenever I read anything here, it's like the super, super, <laughs> super short, yeah. I can't yeah. read as, as Bob reads, and he reads like three books in the span of the time that it would take oh. me to read that, yeah. and he absorbs the information. <laughs> I like to kind of hang around and set up camp and like mm-hmm. look at all the artwork and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so I'd like to take more time with it. I enjoyed it. Um, the Animal Man annual takes the top spot for mm-hmm. me. I just thought that, that I really can't think of much else. Even the Batman one I thought was cool. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
I don't know. It was it was good. I think that if I was more, I mean, obviously, I know who Uncle Ben is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes great rice, <laughs> but um, I think that if I was more familiar with some of his back stuff, because I've been kind of reading the newer Spider-Man stuff. Mm-hmm that if I had more of a history with him, it would have had more of an impact for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that like this is the first time or the first time in a long time where he actually comes back. Well, he doesn't it's, come back. It, no. He, this is... Look, there's Spider-Man 1 and Amazing Fantasy 15, mm-hmm. and occasionally you get a glimpse of Uncle Ben. There was maybe a couple of what-ifs. All right. So. This, is, this is Uncle Ben... In yeah, a book so for it's a, the so first it's a big time deal. in a, it's a big in deal. I mean, the, the thirty years, probably. I mean, because the point of it isn't even the, the Uncle Ben necessarily. It's the yeah that I mean, you know this obviously that yeah. Uncle Ben is the reason why Spider Man is Spider Man. Yeah, you know the reason he has the powers, but yeah. the reason he's had to become a superhero right. is Uncle Ben's death. See, that's the thing. I think that the what makes it a special book. I mean, it's a great setup. It's mm. a great story, but I think what makes it special is the fact that he comes back. Yeah, it is. That, mm. like I said, the impact of him coming mm. back wasn't there for me mm-hmm. because for all I know, this could be like the sixth or seventh right. or seventeenth yeah. mm. time even mm-hmm. that they've like brought him back or somebody did a one-off and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, oh look, it's Uncle Benny who came back. Knowing that he hasn't been around for a long time mm-hmm. makes it a little cooler and like I said, the first thing, I want to read it again. Right, yeah, absolutely. So... It covered, just, covered my ass. <laughs> it's just one of those things where, you know, if you could talk to, you know, someone who's passed away that meant that much to you, you know, and I think it call, it calls up those feelings in me anyway, you know, when I'm reading it. And there's a, the, moment, the, the moment at the end where he runs back out to see Absolutely. if he's still there, you know, after everything's been fixed. You know, it's just a, it's just a great, a great moment. Um, a place I don't need to go right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, speaking of this, be really quick. Speaking of uh, uh, deceased comic book characters, we talked a lot about Blackest oh. Night last week. Obviously, a lot of deceased characters. Yeah, over there. Um, because people kept bringing it up as far as like Justice League storyline, you know, all this other stuff. So I, you know, I, I was thinking about it a lot. So you know, let me just pick it up and read it. It's Jeff Johns obviously uh really around the time where he kind of came to prominence as like a, the, one of the top dc writers mm-hmm. is right around the time where uh, you know he, he had just finished kind of reshaping the green lantern completely to to be the, the one of the main heroes in the, in the dc universe again and in, interesting enough it also plays a lot off of the identity crisis miniseries that i had read that happened years before the, this miniseries um the idea uh, the idea is, is simple the 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 green lantern light spectrum you know green represents will has been split into a, 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 all the colors are now there the spectrum of colors are now there's a, there's you know six cores um but there's also a, a black lantern core that is that has manifested and they're kind of the diametric opposite of the light right so the light there's all the spectrum of colors in the light the black is the other force um rings start falling down to planets all across the galaxy and bringing back dead Heroes, people, etc., um, and it, they fall to Earth, and this litany of heroes that have passed away start coming back to life. It also starts to examine wh- what I found most interesting about it was it starts to examine the idea of w- why these heroes that had died were back already, like Hal Jordan and Barry Allen, why Clark came back, why you know all, all these people mm-hmm. came back. Um, and kind of putting a reasoning behind why these characters 
can come back to life, which I thought was very interesting. That was the thing that was most interesting to me. The art is, it's very bombastic, but it, it, it's, it's really, really great. Um, well, it's a lot of battles. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of things battles. that have to take place in, yeah. on a large scale. But I, but I never felt reading Blackest Night that I was missing anything because I wasn't reading Blackest Night Green Lantern Corps or Blackest Night The Flash no. or you know. And it was more self-contained. Yeah, and it, it did a smart thing, which is what I think. It's a, it's a, it's a universe-spanning event, but it focuses down on really Hal Jordan and Barry Allen as far as the characters that the, the story is about. You know, it gives you other characters as well, but those are really the two that you're dealing with primarily. And I think that's maybe the issue that's wrong with like Avengers vs. X-Men is you have all these characters you're supposed to be dealing with and you don't really know whose story it is. And this, it's clear that it's Hal Jordan and mm-hmm. Barry Allen's story. Um, I, I loved it, you know, and, and it made me have the same feeling after I read Green Lantern, Green Lantern Rebirth um, last summer, which was I just wanted to read more John's Green Lantern stuff. And um, Bob, this, I want to ask you, I'm interested in your opinion on this because sure. it's a big event. We know your stance on events. What did you think of Blackest Night when it came out and now? You know, as far as like... I was not thrilled at the time. Mm -hmm. I've looked at some of it now, knowing you were Mm -hmm. looking at this week. The individual smaller stories really shown Mm -hmm. this time around. Zatanna and her father. Yeah. Where it's, why is my father dead? So you're dealing Mm -hmm. with all those sort of issues. The personal attacks... Mm-hmm. Character to character made this work, so it it's an event. Yeah, but it, it managed to be smaller mm-hmm. as well as larger. And I agree with you. In the Avengers X Men, we we're getting nothing. Yeah. So I, I, the only thing is maybe the new Fifty Two isn't as personal as it should be, considering he's an architect behind it. Maybe did they lose something in that translation? If it would have been more like what Blackest Night was. Yeah, it it's it's really curious to me, and it's it it. More the more John stuff I read that comes before this reboot, mm-hmm. the more even though I don't necessarily agree with it, I understand why he did not reboot the Green Lantern because I can imagine his perspective. He's like, listen, I spent like four years taking a character that nobody wanted to read, built him up, and here. turn him into yeah. a character that yes. become who got his own movie before all these other characters got their own movies, regardless of the quality of it. I'm not going to take this character back down to zero again to restart. You know, I, I can I can see why if it was a above Jeff Johns's head decision, you know, coming from higher brass than even he was, him being like, "Listen, I'm not doing it." You know, um, it's a it's a shame because pe- if he had figured out a better way to get people into it, it might have been it's a good book to be reading. Yeah. But um, it was also a good jumping off point where you could have said okay we went from and they didn't do the way brightest day that followed yes brightest day which deals with the fallout from blackest night which to me is marvel wanted after all these secrets and invasions Mm. and whatever want to do the heroic age and it was never heroic enough Mm -hmm. let's be not pollyanna Mm. let's be like let them be heroes again right we just went through all this horrible horrible stuff Mm -hmm. you know again today's the anniversary of d-day great we lost 3,000 people on the beaches of Normandy and followed up with the greatest victories mm-hmm. in Europe, we can imagine, and made the world safe for democracy, blah, blah, blah. Okay, these heroes just overcame mm-hmm. the greatest threat ever, the large and small scale. Let's move forward. Here's our reboot point. Should right. have been after Blackest mm-hmm. Night right. to me. Yeah, and we're going to see. I mean, we haven't had a DC, a, a really a DC-wide event yet since the 52 relaunched, and I don't think you're going to get one until past the year mark. You know, I think after the year mark, you might mm-hmm. see one. And I think that you're, 
I have a deep feeling, especially the stuff that's going on in John's Justice League book, that we have not seen the, the last of the stuff he began in Blackest Night and Brightest Day oh. and in Flashpoint. I, 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 there's no way that that stuff is being dropped, especially the Flashpoint stuff, which directly bounces off the stuff from those books. So we'll have to see. Um, but speaking of the last thing real quick, the lackluster ex, um, AVX. AVX. I read what I think is probably the best AVX book that came out so far. It's not even a mainline AVX book. It's um, Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men, which to me tells the story better than many of those books have told it. The story I want to hear. What did you think, Steve? Yep. <laughs> Thumbs up on this side too. Yeah. It was the it was definitely um even though it's a it's a you know shoot off of whatever, mm-hmm. it's the best tie-in issue. It might even be the best issue so far. Yeah. Um it was like I asked you earlier. You know, since the AVX event has been going on, we've been reading it. It's been fun, mm-hmm. but how many issues have you walked away from it? Uh, from walked away from and been like, that was really something. Mm-hmm. This is the first one. Um, you know, I've not been. I, I've I haven't hid my disdain for the event. <laughs> um, I think it's like I said. I think it's fun. I just it's so much. Mm-hmm. There's so many tie-ins. There's so many books. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm dropping money here, there, just so I can be in on it the whole bit and be informed and shit. And I just, if, if the end all be all is just going to be that mutants are going to be able to be made again. Like, did we really need all this? There was, I actually posted something for the talking comics, Twitter, that was a, a quote from this from Spider Man. Yeah, the Spider Man quote. Yeah, oh, where he's like, quote. you know, when are when are we gonna get back to the days where like you know, <laughs> get into an argument, maybe rough each other up a little bit, but then we figure it out mm-hmm. and we move on and we go save the day. Yeah, and it's it's true. Mm-hmm. Like I just my my main my chief complaint about the AVX event is just I feel like I'm on on a merry go round mm-hmm. and I keep yeah. hearing the same arguments mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And for like, it's enough that Cyclops and Captain America are bitching to each other about what their problems are. But all anybody else is really talking about is what Captain America and Cyclops. You know, yeah, what yeah. Cyclops are yeah. arguing about. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I got th- I got that several mm-hmm. issues ago. And I mean, we're well into this thing by now, and it just doesn't seem yeah. like much has happened. Well, yeah. five is today, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, yes, right. it is. So, are we to the point where the merry-go-rounds come all the way back around to the brass ring, and Hope Summers and/or Wanda will mm. say more mutants, right? And we've all wasted thirty dollars, right? Oh, more than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm more conservative than you are. It. <laughs> think about Wolverine and the X-Men. Know my problem. <laughs> yeah. Wolverine and the X-Men is that it tells basically the same story that AVX Four did, just better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it, it. It gives us time with Wolverine and Hope. It shows us how Wolverine, you know, what Wolverine does. That kind of is a surprising move, you know, in, in this whole thing. Without um, polar bears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think if we could splice some of the intimate moments from AVX Four into this, yeah, make make the annual, yeah. That's a great page. That's my favorite page. There's a huge page of her exploding. You know, and, right. Which awesome. makes some sense on this page because now turn back a page. Yeah. 
Here's what why I like that page and not others. It's a regular page. Yeah. The panel preceding it is a third of a bottom yeah. strip. Mm-hmm. You turn the page to a giant boom. full page pinup, yeah. boom, yeah. impact. Yeah. That's why where you do those. Not to mention what comes right after that. Yeah. It was just so awesome. I won't say anything. It I, also yeah. I've gotten very good about my spoilers, Bob. <laughs> but we, very we, good. we throw back to X-Men 136, yeah. flashbacks to important stuff. That's a great issue. That's I mean. It pulls back. And again, Jason Aaron, who wrote AVX 2, which before this was my favorite AVX book. Okay, yeah, I'll go with that. You too. know, it it I just it makes me wish that he was just writing the entire event. Like I like this idea of the switching the writers, because if you and in theory, great writers. They have great writers writing. They have Jason Aaron. They have Jonathan Hickman. They have Ed Brubaker. They have, you know, um, Bob's favorite writer, Brian Michael Bendis. Um, but, regard, but regardless of that, uh, oh, Brian. I would really like it to be more cohesive. And I feel like Aaron is seemingly has the best voice. I think at we this need point. to so add his name to the list of people that we mention all the time. On J- Talk Jason Aaron? He'll, yeah, he'll, yeah. Scott Snyder, Jeff Lemire, yeah. <laughs> Lunar Brothers, yeah. Jason Aaron, you're yeah. in there, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's all I wanted to say about that. I just feel like it needed to be talked about because in, it's been a really weird event, you know, and I just, I feel like we get a little more fatigued because we're reading everything, you know, like we're, we're reading the side stories as well. Yeah. So we're arguing the same things regurgitated a lot, mm-hmm. but this, even in that din of all of this sameness, stood out to me. So I wanted to point out, because if, if you're not reading Wolverine and the X-Men, you should be reading it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very good book. Uh, also, if anybody listening to the show wants to weigh in on how they feel about the event so far, um, you can either tweet us at Talking Comics on Twitter, or you can send us an email, which is at... Info at TalkingComicBooks.com. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> Segway. Which is another good segue, because... Tonight, we're going to be answering a few questions from people um, on Twitter. Our great fans wrote in again. They saved the day for us once again with a bunch of cool topics to talk about. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. And, and then we're going to come a drink back. to answer questions. Yes. And we'll take a little break, and we're going to come back and answer some questions. Right, we are back, and we're going to be answering some uh, Twitter questions here about comic books. But before we do that, um, we had one listener who really wanted Steve to answer a question that was non-comic book related. Uh oh, this could be this could be dangerous. So Steve, why don't you take this away? That's all good. Uh, John Clegg, who is at Sodbuster07 on Twitter, yeah. Uh, he said, talking comics, uh, what are your thoughts on The Legend of Korra? Legend of Korra, of course, is the of new, course. Of course, <laughs> is the uh, newest iteration of the Avatar The Last Airbender. The, oh, the new, yeah. Uh, okay. The, the crummy movie by M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> Ding Dong. Yep. Yes, crummy movie, spectacular, spectacular series. It's a really good, okay. it's a really good show. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he said, uh, I know one of you are really looking forward to it, just wanting to know... Um, I I don't know. I can't read the rest of it. It's all crushed <laughs> in. He wanted to know what I thought of it. Mm. 
Um, I basically I told them earlier that um, I'd only had the opportunity. I think they aired episodes one and two, or they leaked episodes one and two mm-hmm. when it first came out, and I got to check out those two, but I haven't watched anything beyond that. So uh, much like much other shows that I'm not caught up on, like <laughs> Game of Thrones. Oh boo! Oh God, I have to marathon it's that so now good. that it's over. Oh, I God, know. It's so good. But anyway, <laughs> um, I absolutely loved it, and I loved it because. I like anything that takes me by surprise. It's funny. I don't like surprises in like real life, but when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to books, reading stuff, um, I really like when things come out of left field. And the fact mm. that Aang and uh, Sokka and all these characters that I thought I was going to be getting reunited with and going into these new adventures, they're not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the you know set way in the future. People are dead. A lot of people are dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all new characters. So you know what? Awesome. Mm-hmm. I am so up for it. And from what I've seen, it's much more mature. It's kind of how like the th- the third season of the original Avatar had matured. And it was very serious circumstances towards the end. Um, it carries in that maturity that they didn't bring it back down for the kids. Like This is obviously a show that they made for the people that grew up following the first three seasons, because mm-hmm. it's been a while. Yeah. And um, I'm all for it. And actually, because of your tweet, I am going to uh, get it, and I'm going to watch it. All right. So there you go, man. Awesome. Those are Steve's <laughs> thoughts on The Legend of Korra. Ah. <laughs> all right. So back to comic book-related business. Um, so we have, a, we have a big question. Uh what one story arc, present or past, from Marvel or DC would you use to create a new comic book fan? We're going to table that and do that at the end, but just so all yes. of us can think about it. We've been thinking about it for a while, but so we can continue to think about it. That question is coming. Does it have to be Marvel or DC? No, no. Right. Uh, I guess we, uh, he wants Marvel or DC, but I'm making an edit here that it can be anything you want it to be. Nice. All right. Harvey. Uh-huh. You can do a Harvey. Because in the end, it's just about getting people in the comic books. So yeah, whether right. it's a superhero book or not, whatever. Hark. Uh, <laughs> So, kind of on that note, though, um, Rogue Paradigm wants us to Ooh. highlight some indie books that we really like. Um, well, we can say Morning Glories. We said we that a billion times. That, yeah. So, Morning Glories, if you're not reading Morning Glories, get on it. If you're not reading Saga, yes, get on it. Good, good call. And Morning Glory is uh, is out today. Issue nineteen, I think, is out today. Yeah, I you know I'm really confused about that because we just got an issue of Morning Glories not even just two weeks ago. No, I think it was a month ago. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> no, because I because I remember because I sat in the store when I read that okay. one, and you know there's some pretty shocking little things going there is. on. Mm. And um, you know. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's weird. But from what I was uh, from you know, Dusk Ten Twenty, who is not, if you're listening, is not Bob Ryer on no. Twitter because it was a little bit of confusion. Yes, Bob, uh, I don't have a Twitter. Bob you need to get one because no, our listeners are clamoring for you to have one. Anyway, you do not. Uh, what, what do we? What do we define as a clamor? They, I, two. I, I, I've <laughs> had no. I've had like five or seven people ask me seriously. Oh. Anyway, not okay. six though. Five not or seven. Six. Five not six. or five seven. or seven. That's because I'm odd. So I'm just <laughs> but, go with that. Um. Oh God, I got sidetracked. But uh, morning glories. Morning glories. Uh, yeah, you were yeah. in the store. Morning glories is fantastic. Uh, Alabaster Wolves has mm-hmm. been uh quite good. Um, is it Thief of Thieves? Yeah. Is awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going on right now. Well, in the indie books is mostly science fiction. Mm-hmm. There's horror. There's fables and adventures. Mm-hmm. It's all the things that used to make comics well rounded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majors <laughs> don't do that. Well, the, the Vertigo stuff. I Vertigo mean, does do that. Vertigo, yeah. yeah. But just not as, as much as there should be. And there are the old ages books. You can still go read Archie, and that's still mm-hmm. indie. Yeah. I should be rattling things off right now. I've been re- I'm reading so many indie books. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm just drawing well, a blank. Well, Zenoscope. We, we could go take yeah, the entire the, run of the stuff. New, and the say, new Alice in Wonderland uh, series that's going on right now is very, very, very good. Um, if you want to read a book, um, like I was talking about uh, I Kill Giants earlier, about the disorientation while reading, the Alice in Wonderland really pulls that off, and especially considering that you're in Wonderland, where things aren't quite what they're supposed mm-hmm. to be. They're, they're quite fucked, actually. It really, really puts you in that mindset of that there's just so much creepy stuff going on. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of fan service, mm-hmm. but it's much more um, monocyte. Mm-hmm. Monocyte. Oh, yeah, you if go. you really, really want to go way off the deep end mm-hmm. and you want to like read like something like epically Shakespearean, gothic, um, esoteric, cerebral. It is really out there and it is so awesome. And it just uh, it just finished its run. It was a four-issue run. There's going to be a uh, collector's edition released very soon uh, with all kinds of bonus artwork, stories about how it was uh, conceptualized, all that stuff. Mm. That is awesome. If you're looking for something like super indie, that's really good. Uh, On the major indies, if there's mid-major indies, if we're talking yeah, movies I kind mean, of thing, things like IDW. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Peter David was here a couple of weeks ago doing another Fallen Angel, Burns uh, Trio, which comes yeah. out today as well. Uh, uh, IDW is doing tons and tons of... Forgot about that. You know, Star Trek Legion, Star Trek Doctor Who crossovers. They got to pay the bills somehow, right? So, (laughs) but that lets them buy these other sorts of things. Uh, Fatal, which we've all read and loved. Fantastic. Yeah, I haven't been reading that. I read the first two issues. I collect it. I'm waiting for the trade, but I loved those first two issues. It's still, it's still a great book. Mm. Um, You know, you even like something that's like I guess mid-major in a way is the Buffy comics from Dark Horse. Are, yeah. are great books. Again, another thing I have all yeah. of them haven't read one. Um, they're great books, you know. Um, I um, Hell Yeah is a very Keating on the show. Um, mm-hmm. but th- that book is very interesting. I, I, the book isn't quite. It's not the level of Morning Glories as far as um its writing goes, but its ambition is similar. And some sometimes that's what you need. Like it's a break from reading. If you read a lot of Marvel in DC and you need something to give you a break and you're already reading morning glories and you still have like a thirst for something that has high science fiction concepts to it as well. Mm-hmm. Hey, and then um, the ambition grows into the story. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it, it'll yeah. feed into it. Yeah. Um, w- the thing about indie books is there's an awful lot of kid just got powers books, you know, like, yeah. you know, real, like I have superpowers and it's kind of the real world. What am I going to do books? You know, um, most of them I've read have been pretty good. I think that if you read too many of them, you're going to get kind of tired of them. You know, yeah. I think that's the issue. Um, but uh, well, whispers as well. Oh yeah, I, how the hell could I forget? That? I don't know. <laughs> well, no, no, I know the how Luna I brothers going to stab you. The I heart. know yeah. how I forgot that because that book doesn't come out for like two it's fucking true. months. It's like a brilliant. 
It's ridiculous, dude. I'm still waiting for issue number three. It's it's my most anticipated book every time that they tease me with the mm-hmm. idea of it coming out. Yeah. Um. I mean, top of my list is Saga, yeah. and and my other top of my list is Morning Glories. Every time that those two books come out, mm-hmm. I'm like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. It's the first thing I read. So, I mean, those are a couple of recommendations for you. I'm sure that there are tons more. Yes, I mean, if we absolutely. think of more, we can tweet them out to you. Yeah. Um. Saga is... When you think of a book that is both huge in scope and very much main, uh, mainstream in the fact that it's dealing with big science fiction ideas, mm-hmm. but is so peculiar in its writing that it could never be in, on a major, you know, on a Marvel or a DC, mm-hmm. it's like the perfect indie book in that way mm-hmm. to me. You know, it, it's a book I think that people would look at initially and maybe be be scared because it is pretty crazy um but it's such a good book and so interesting and so dense i mean it's worth the money every every single and month. the artwork oh the artwork i mean fiona staples is fantastic you know yeah. um i but, think the the majors should take not, not they're listening to us but they should be sure they are they yeah. should be you listen to me <laughs> the ideas they ha- you know marvel had epic and dc had vertigo and mm-hmm. the idea was creator owned mm-hmm. smaller projects that could be science fiction or fantasy, mm-hmm. horror, whatever they were doing, and they've all kind of, they've both gotten away from that. Well, I mean, Vertigo still does that a, but a, a they're lot. But they're not where they were when it was Sandman oh, driving no. Vertigo, that it was, that was an imprint that you wanted to see every, every month, but, every week. There yeah. was something coming out from Vertigo. Maybe they need to reinvestigate the whole idea of them, not they should subvert the indie movement, but to create within themselves with their line of creators. Mm-hmm. Come on board. Do something, you, a story you want to tell mm-hmm. under our imprint, and you're protected. You, here's a minimum. Right. Well, here's a check. Your work is not for free. Mm-hmm. Well, that here you go. That kind of reminds me of um, Sweet Tooth. That's something that. We oh yeah, could, Sweet Tooth's I mean, fantastic. I, I just don't know if we consider that indie or not because it is a Vertigo book. So you know, it's yeah DC money, but uh, it's like American Vampire. But it's yeah, but it's still it's still getting one of their you know top creators. I mean, yeah. he's on Justice League Dark. You yeah, know, he's doing all this uh, Animal Man, Animal Man, and everything. Yeah. But Sweet Tooth, even though it is a Vertigo book, feels completely oh, yeah. removed from yeah. anything else that he's doing. Yeah, and it is wonderful. It's a wonderful book. Um. The thing about the you say this about you know the big companies not doing this stuff anymore, but it really is very much mirroring the film industry in a lot of ways. Which is most of the big studios they do the big movies, which I love, you know, mm-hmm. and then you have independent you know houses doing these littler movies that I also love, and I'm fine with that. If you need Image and Dark Horse and IDW and these other companies to fill in the gap to do the books that the big companies don't do anymore, that's fine with me because an Image you have creators from those companies doing stuff all the time, you know? We had, we used the movie analogy in the two different eras. In the 70s, coming out of, all the kids coming out of film school, and Spielberg and Bogdanovich and Cassavetes and all those people from that whole period, those rebels. Yeah. And then the 90s, where you had the Kevin Smiths and Soderberghs Mm. and Jim Jarmusch and and all these people and Tarantino, you had little movies that got bankrolled by big studios yeah. that a lot of people got to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you 
turn me on to some of the mumblecore movies. Yeah. And they're fun, but no one sees these. No one sees them. That's true. And and that's a real problem. I want a greater audience for some of these great little projects. Do you want to ask what mumblecore is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cyrus. Well, Cyrus sounds is, like a like a type of music I'd listen to. <laughs> it's a type of movie you'd love to. Yeah. Cyrus is kind of the the studio equivalent at oh, this I've point. Seen of, Cyrus. Yeah. It's those guys, but they used to make much smaller budget movies. Puffy chair. And- yeah. Puffy the puffy chair and uh, was it. <laughs> It's Baghead, I think Baghead. It's, it's the horror movie. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, movies all about talking, made for micro budgets. Um, really great movies. Uh, Hump Day is another one. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Bob. Nobody sees those movies, but you look something like Image. Image has breakouts. Like The Walking Dead is pretty much as big as any major comic that's happening oh, yeah. right now. We and, all go to the store, and every week there's a whole pile of trades. Yes, and they're all <laughs> gone more by next Dead Wednesday. Than yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. If you look at like the sales charts, yes, there's a ton of Marvel and DC, but you look at the trades sales chart, it's like all Walking Dead. Yep. You know, um, so there is that opportunity. It just has to be the right thing, and I, I think that. I, I, I like the fact that these books, you know, the image does what it does. I think it, it's a it's a great model, letting creators own their work, and you know, we put it out, but you have to do, worry about all the other stuff. Right, but again, Epic and Vertigo. Right. The idea was, we're doesn't exist anymore. I think it's Icon now. Right. Yeah. The idea was okay. We're a big company. We'll make sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, you own this. It's yours. You can take Star Slayer. You can go where you want, or you whatever happens here, it's yours. Mm-hmm. But you get a check. You know, there's money coming to you. It's like a salesman who has to have a minimum. Mm-hmm. You didn't do a month's worth of writing and sold 12 books. Right. You know, I've spoken when we talked about Trio a couple of weeks ago, the burn thing for IDW, where someone was saying, well, you can have spinoff books and whatever. And he went, no, well, the pre-orders sucked. Mm-hmm. You know, you drew it out of me. They sucked. And mm-hmm. we may, we'll finish the series because it's already all written and drawn and whatever, but spinoffs? No. Right. Yeah. Because it's IDW, and in the previews book, the previews catalog is the size of a phone book when you go into the store on Wednesdays. And the typeface is much smaller than it used to be. And, okay, the big companies get the first quarter of the book, Mm -hmm. and the smaller indies, they're at the back. And unless Mm -hmm. you're looking for a company particularly, it all sort of blends together. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I find a book I'm wanting? I, I, look, I don't have an hour and a half to look through this book. Right, yeah. I'll that give bag. it my half-hour peruse mm-hmm. with my little highlighter and write in the yeah. order book, and I'm yep. one of these and one of these. Oh, a trade paperback, a so-and-so? How many things disappear? Mm-hmm. I think way too many. So maybe gotcha. if, if there was big money behind it, maybe some of those would not fall through the cracks. Maybe, absolutely. But then you have to wonder, would those big companies give them the backing Either, you know, or as a company like IDW, even though they don't have as much money, maybe they're more likely to keep it going to see if it turns around. I get that. No, I see what you're saying. You know, like Marvel, even at an indie imprint, might throw it to the wolves. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. When you have a big corporation behind it, if they don't see profit, the first thing they do is go, cut it. Disney goes, let's put Mickey Mouse in this horror book. Oh, man, I would love to see a Mickey Mouse horror book. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, we have Marvel zombies. We could have Mickey Mouse zombies. Yeah. <laughs> I'd pay for that one right now. Uh, can we get a Kickstarter for that? Let's go. That'd be great. I think we'd run into some legal trouble there. Um, I didn't say it. So no, was, Don't sue me. So sort it was of, Stephanie. Stephanie yeah. brought it up. You sound just like Stephanie. So in that same kind of uh, vein, um, Superbad Larry asks us, is the big big two way of publishing comics an antiquated model? For example, do we need four Batman titles a month? You know? No. Right. 
No. No, 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 no. Okay. Or, or for Wolverines or 15 X-Men or whatever. Yeah. My feeling has been for years. Oh, there's a rant coming. I can feel it <laughs> welling up. If you grow tired of Wolverine, Batman, whatever it is, you now drop a whole line of books. In mm-hmm. one shot, I stop reading $15 worth of books a month. Mm-hmm. And True. do I pick up something else? As someone who dropped Spider-Man during the Clone Saga, right, and then didn't buy Team Up and this one and this one, it was over with. Mm-hmm. You don't revisit. There's now too much history to catch up. If you're out a year, how do you get back the mm-hmm. year? It ties up your money in a way that you're now not investigating indie books, smaller books within your mm-hmm. own company, the other lines. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's too much Batman, too much Wolverine, too much X-Men. Yeah. Well, just to point out, I mean, I'm I'm a, a good candidate for that whole argument because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was collecting everything. Yeah, you were. You know, I was collecting everything Batman, and I've dropped off. The only reason that I've even remotely picked up uh, Dark Knight, which... The Night of the Owl's Dark Knight was very good. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> but the rest of it, mm-hmm. with the exception of the Scarecrow issue, was crap. Mm-hmm. And it's all crap. Mm-hmm. With, uh, you know, you have uh, Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. which has been great. Yeah. And then Scott Snyder's Batman, mm-hmm. of course, we all awesome. love. Yep. But beyond that, no, mm-hmm. you don't need the other ones. Yeah. No. And they are. Pretty ho hum in by comparison. Well, I, 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 you're being nice. Like de- de- <laughs> Detective and Go Dark it, Knight are, are pieces of shit books. Like they they, they <laughs> offer nothing to the universe. What do you really feel? And the other problem is the thing that makes them worse is that Scott Snyder's Batman is now is the definitive Batman book right now. It's called yeah. Batman. It is Batman. Detective isn't the the, the mainline mm-hmm. Batman book. So t- those stories to me are nothing more than side stories they're mm. to me they're almost alternate universe stories because that's not the batman i'm reading in scott snyder's batman book he's obviously he's not going on the same adventures yeah. like the shit that happens to batman and detective when is this happening in conjunction to what's happening to batman with the court of the owls it it, it doesn't make sense you know it, you know what i think's funny i don't think we've ever mentioned batman odyssey on the show ever well because it's it, it's like a like a hundred page like one shot thing it's Neil, right. a few Neil, of them, the Neil oh, Adams one. Oh, there's right? a miniseries. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but because it's that was that's a like secondary continuity uh, sidebar. Yeah. All right, that all was right. a, this is left over after the 52 got relaunched. We got to put it out somehow. We're not going to leave it on the. And it looks it looks great because it's Neil Adams, right? But I hear it's not very good though. As far as he's not a great writer. Gotcha. I, uh, we'll never get him on the show now. Not that we were ever. <laughs> but um, so uh, that's my problem with it. It's just why it it, it goes against. My kind of perspective as a story reader to to read these other books and be like, well, what did these have to do with anything? Because there's a lot of Batman themed books. There's a lot of Gotham books. You know, there's yeah. a lot of them. Even and, westerns. Yes, even <laughs> westerns. But the thing is, Nightwing, Batgirl, they feel like they belong in Scott Snyder's universe. You know, mm-hmm. even Batman and Robin feels like to me th- that could, it could exist in that universe. You know. It's just stories we don't see the Robin stories when we're watching Snyder's, you know, Batman. Yeah, He's not always panel. out with Robin. Right. You know, Robin sometimes goes out by himself. Blah blah, whatever. Um, so that model is ridiculous, and so is the Marvel like a hundred X X Men books. You know, six Avengers books. It, yeah. Can we go yeah. What stories are you trying to tell me if if they're so broken up over all of these books? There's I'm, too many schools, man. There's too many schools. Yeah, I'm really upset. We have Dark Avengers this week, right? Replacing Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts? Yeah. 
But yeah. same creative team, but it's and same numbering, right? I'm hoping it goes away eventually <laughs> because we already did Dark Avengers, and but well, Avengers is big. The movie made a mm-hmm. billion dollars, right. so we'll do Avengers everything. Fantastic Four Avengers. <laughs> no, no, that's next week. <laughs> but don't I will give, say, don't this. give me another migraine. It's been a tough week. I will say this: if those books didn't sell, they wouldn't do it. You know, they're not doing it to get their jollies. Those books sell. The Batman, point, of, the t- point of order, as Senator McCarthy used to say, they're being sold. Are they being read? You think Marvel gives a crap I, if they're I, being yeah, read? But down the road, it matters because then you dissatisfy readers who don't come back to your product. Right. Then those books stop selling. They stop making that book. They they make they reboot X Men to number one, and then all the people will complain <laughs> before I come back and buy it. Except now we're selling a hundred thousand and not a million copies a month. Well, that's yeah. So eventually, we we've culled out right just enough people who can't stand that I have to buy four Batman books mm-hmm. a month. If I was buying one Batman or mm-hmm. Batman and Detective because mm-hmm. that was that was the double header in the old mm-hmm. days, and a Justice League because I want another mm-hmm. Batman fix and a Flash and a Wonder Woman, well now that money gets spent on I have to buy all these Batman tie-ins, right? Well, when I get tied to Batman, I now don't buy DC. Mm-hmm. Or if it's the Avengers, I don't yeah. buy Marvel. Mm-hmm. So I, I think our, our correspondence point is well taken in that do we really need right. so many iterations within one family, so many branches of this tree that I'm stuck buying books I don't want to buy because I'm, I don't want to miss four panels of this story that ties into the one I'm reading? Yeah, but I mean, they're not. But the thing about, the thing about Batman books is that they don't even do that. You know, I mean, they're doing the which may be worse. They're doing it the Night of the Owls yeah. right now in some of those books, but for the most part, they don't even do that. You know, it's not detective. Nothing happens in detective that mirrors and affects what happens in Batman, in Scott Snyder's Batman. So, in that way, I think yes, absolutely, that is a bad model, and and it's it's just like you know, in video game industry, them putting out four guitar guitar hero games a year. Eventually, people mm-hmm. get sick of it. You know. Um, so that's bad, but those two big companies are the only companies that have the muscle to put out books in as wide a range as they do. Mm-hmm. So if they need to put out three Batman books to do that, then maybe that's the price you have to pay. You don't have to read them. You don't have to read Batman the Dark Knight. You can just, nope, I'm not reading it. You know what I mean? But does it annoy me? Yes, it absolutely yeah, okay. annoys me. It, it, it's three for three on it being annoyed. Yes, Um we take the question um, uh, from Jason Arden, who once is asking us, um, 10 months in, has the DC New 52 been a commercial and creative success or failure? Uh, um, again, it's 10 months on a year. I feel like more comfortable doing this after a year, but creatively, that's so up to everybody's individual opinion. You, you know, it, you're asking a whole host of people who had expectations versus people who read before or, didn't, or reading now, whatever. Um, commercially, it's been a huge success. They, they, they've agree. gotten themselves back into the top ten where Marvel was dominating them for years and years and years. And now Marvel still wins in money because their books cost more money, but DC wins in sales for the most part. So um, creatively, and we can go around real quick and answer yeah. this. Um, Steve, what do you think? Well, you guys got the Talking Comics podcast because of the DC it's 52, true. so <laughs> it changed the fucking world. <laughs> it did. You should, be, you should feel yourself lucky. Yeah, yeah. You Send us be, a check. Yeah. <laughs> On your knees for DC. <laughs> uh, 
Um, do I think what's the question? Do I think it changed? What? No, is it a creative creatively success? or it's creative success? Is it a create? I I guess or failure? So no, I don't think it's a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a that's a very very big question. It goes into it a lot of different. Um, was it a huge success? For it was a success for me in a way of that it got me back into comics mm-hmm. and was pretty much the reason that we started the show. Yeah. Which then spun it out. It was the reason we started the show, yeah. It was the reason yeah. we started the show, which mm-hmm. then spun out to me taking every dollar that I have, <laughs> plus all the change inside my couch, and then yes. going to the coin star. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, plunking down uh, lots of money every mm-hmm. Wednesday to be in the loop of all of these things. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed that what I have started doing is that I've been... For all the ridiculousness that everybody always comments on my my weekly hauls every Wednesday, if you've noticed, I actually have cut back on a number of things, <laughs> and they shut up. I chuckle <laughs> as we say that. Most of them are from the DC fifty two. Mm-hmm. He still walks out with a hand truck. I do, but <laughs> here's the thing: is that I've been actually going in and I've been trading in the comics oh. to mm-hmm. to our comic shop. Like, I'll give you an example. Action comics. Mm-hmm. I'm not reading anything Superman. I'm not reading Superboy. I'm reading Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not reading Superboy. Yeah, it's the best. Um, Superman, not reading it. I know they switched writers. but I'm still st- bad. Yeah, I'm still it's not still reading bad. it. <laughs> um, but what I did, with the exception of, well, actually, I got rid of that too. Um, I kept all of my number ones. Mm-hmm. Whatever I bought that was a number one, I kept. But two through seven, two through eight... Whatever I haven't been reading, mm-hmm. or stuff that like when we did the the cuts, mm-hmm. I got rid of them. Mm-hmm. I traded them in. I got newer books because of that. But it's because of the DC fifty two that I got back into comics and that I got into all of the indie stuff. Mm-hmm. How I found Morning Glories. How mm-hmm. I found Saga. Yeah. How I found all of this other stuff that's out there. So I personally, and even the Marvel stuff, that I'm thankful. For the DC fifty two, mm-hmm. very very much, but um, it has not been keeping me, especially with the second arcs. I thought that the first arcs, a lot of them were pretty strong. The Aquaman uh, arc was Aquaman's still very good. Mm. Batwoman is mm-hmm. a prime example. I when we first started this, I was touting Batwoman and shot, shouting it from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. The first arc of that was fantastic. Second arc. Not so much. It, and I, mm-hmm. I love her character. She's probably my favorite in the Bat universe. And mm-hmm. I, as far as like the Bat characters go, but I, I used to be like climbing the walls for the next issue. Mm-hmm. Now, when the next issue comes out, I find myself like waiting until this arc is done mm-hmm. so that maybe they can pick it back up because I know they had some disagreements in the making of it and whatnot. Um, but was it a success? For me, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, for the world, I have no idea. Right. Well, yeah, you can only speak for yourself. Here comes Bob. Okay, Wait, no, I'll, talk, know I'll talk about the world. Um, it's a success because the books are selling much more than they were before. In mm-hmm. some cases, double digits, mm-hmm. multiples more than yeah. they were before. As a business model, as I've discussed ad nauseum, mm-hmm. picking up new readers didn't do very well at that. They've gotten some lapsed readers back. I think the number is about 14%. 
it's not enough moving forward to a healthy industry 20 years down. If you were saying this was the food business or the larger magazine business, not a great number. Right now, they did a great job for themselves and their stockholders and everything mm -hmm. else. Wonderful. So we'll, we'll say it's a qualified commercial success. Mm -hmm. Creatively, as someone who's read DC since Showcase 37 and the Metal Men, not so much. But it wasn't directed to me. They were willing to, to figure out, okay, I'm at this too long. All the other stuff you knew before, we don't care. We're not telling stories on those kind of characters. We need new people. As we've discussed, are some of these really jumping on points? No. The convoluted storylines didn't mm -hmm. quite work for everything else. So I'm going to say it's a qualified creative success too. So I'll qualify both. But successes, eh. Um, I'd just like to point something out yeah. really quick because I, I didn't write a review, but I hated this book so much. They still, like, people have been, it's been a while now, and then they, they know that some people haven't been satisfied with the way that these number ones have started. Mm -hmm. The Ravagers, number one. Yeah. Fucking terrible. Yeah, well, it, yeah. Th that's a spinoff from some event that was happening. From Teen the Titans. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Teen Titans, Superboy. That, right. Yeah. But what's, like, here's the thing. What's with these books coming out? Like, we had found out a, a while ago that some of these books, like the Batman Incorporated, mm -hmm. is, it's a number one, but it's a continuation. Yeah. yeah. Where is, here's my thing. Where is the information for the reader that you will have needed to read X, Y, and Z if you want to get the full enjoyment out of this well, number they're horrible one book. But both yeah. companies are horrible at doing that. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but on top of get everything with else, it. if you're going to start this thing up again, oh, okay. Showcase four, Barry Allen. There was a flash in the 1940s. In 1956, Showcase four starts Scientist in a lab, lightning through the window, he's the Flash. Mm -hmm. You need anything else but Showcase 4 for 10 cents, and you had his story. If DC had the onions to really relaunch everything <laughs> and just say, no, this is day one, not five years of this and this and this, because mm -hmm. we're selling underoos and lunch boxes and all the other mm -hmm. crapola we sell, start over. Yeah. Do it and start over and don't pretend. Well, that's one of the things that was... the the. That's disappointing me about the New Fifty Two was that their their promise of we're rebooting the universe was not really true. It was we're sort of rebooting the universe. Yeah. We're also sort of keeping mm. like a history here that whatever. Um, for me, uh, I think a creative success. It, that's that's like saying New Fifty Two is DC at this point. There is mm. no other thing. You know, it's not like there's AVX and the other Marvel books. There's the DC New Fifty Two, and that's it. Um, so to say, is the company wide a creative success? That's all tough. I'm not reading all of the new 52 books. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I will say that um, in individual individual cases, great success in some points. Batman is a great success. Animal Man is a great success. Swamp Thing is a great success. Supergirl is a great success. Um, I, I think The Flash has been a success. I, there, there's successes all, all over the place. Um, have there been some absolute turds yes <laughs> superman is a turd you know that that's that book has and been bad since the beginning sad. your flagship character is a turd yeah though no, he's not their flagship character anymore let's be fair he's not batman is the, the flagship character of dc batman is the flagship superhero <laughs> at this point you know um but 
And I think that the second arc of Justice League is off to a very good start. There are... The Green Lantern book is a misfire, I think, because they didn't really reboot it. But we talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Aquaman has been very good. So, and, he, and Jeff Johns right now is doing for Aquaman what he did for Green Lantern years ago. You know, so it's a case-by-case basis like anything else. You know, I could say there are books in the Marvel Universe that aren't a success. Oh, absolutely. You know, but there are books that are great successes. So do the failures cancel out the successes just because there's this other kind of bigger story happening? I don't think so, you know? That doesn't cancel it out, but yeah. if you're going to set yourself up as a company to say, here's our new point of view. From right here and now, everything's different, and we're telling a new story that you haven't seen before, mm-hmm. and here's where all our new fans, if you've never read comics but only watched movies before, you can start right here. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. You could start some things you could start that way. Not everything, though. And they can't really control if everything's good or not. I mean, they, it's, it's down to the writers and artists if they're good. You know, mm-hmm. you can't control creativity at, at a certain point. But um, So I'm going to give you one more question, okay. and that's the big question. <gasps> the arc. Oh, boy. To get somebody into comics. What's the arc? Bob, you want to go first? Sure. Now, <laughs> um, you can't go wrong starting at the beginning of anything. Mm-hmm. And it would be very easy to say, go buy archives of Superman or Batman or the Human Torch from the 30s. It's two different questions. Right. It's new readers and then older people who've maybe only seen the movies. Mm-hmm. For those older people, I would tell you Dark Phoenix isn't a bad place to go. Um, John Byrne's run on Fantastic Four, which begins at 2.32, and then 2.36 is sort of a recapitulation of the origin in a uh, story set in a town controlled by Doctor Doom, okay. which turns everything on its head. Um, for, for younger readers, you couldn't go wrong with starting with the Justice League. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the original kid-friendly, mm-hmm. let's put seven superheroes together and beat up a starfish from outer space. <laughs> uh, because for a, a six, seven, eight-year-old, just starting to read kind of gets it. It probably isn't the worst place to go. The larger issues, which we could all go down to, someone who's gotten away from comics maybe 20 years ago, if you want to go down Killing Joke and all those kind of things, right. I'll, I'll leave those for everybody else. But that's that's where I'm going to be for now. Yeah. Steve, Steve. me or you? Uh, I'll go really quick because okay. I, th- I think mine's a little ridiculous. Um, <laughs> no such thing. It's your taste. So, well, I you know if if I was to take somebody who had never read a comic book mm-hmm. before, um, granted, it's a very specific taste. Um, I would give them the Sword by the Luna Brothers. Okay. Uh, my you know my go to mm, my go to team. They're my favorite. Sorry. Um, the sword in my mind has a little, like girls is a little too sci-fi. It's a little too out there. The sword has, you know, the, not even that the, the Luna brothers, they do human characters to a T emotion, conversations between them, um, conflict, emotion, all of that stuff. And the events in The Sword, which is uh, really quick, is about a girl who finds an ancient sword, finds out that her father was the keeper of this this weapon that can basically take out these titans of the elements, if you will. Um, she undergoes such an amazing journey 
from I think it's a 24 issue run if I'm not mistaken and the final pages of that book anybody I think anybody that reads books or just likes a good story or like we mentioned earlier like losing somebody with the whole Uncle Mm -hmm. Ben thing that like imagine and you know don't imagine it too much but imagine (laughs) if somebody just stormed into your house and took out your whole family in a very supernatural kind of way, and by other means you found out that you now had the power to get your revenge and to set things for what you believed was right. Um, I would, me, I would go all for it. If mm-hmm. I found out that I had superpowers and I had a weapon that could take down these things, you better believe it. I'd be all over the fucking world hunting them down, sticking the sword up their ass the whole <laughs> bit. Um so I think that as far as passion, because I think the most important thing, and I struggle with this, just hanging out with people. I mean, this is getting a little personal, but, you know, we're really into this comic stuff. And there's a lot of people that don't understand why we're still into comics. You know, I'm 31 years old and they're like, oh, you know, well, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I write for a movie site and then I have this other project where I get together with my friends, we have a podcast and a website. Oh, what's it based on? You know, oh, it's well, it's a comic website. And they're like, oh, so you, you still read comics, huh? That's that's cool. Yeah. And you know, not these people aren't. You know, they're not nasty about it. But there's like a certain level of condescension that comes mm-hmm. when you're, you know, unless you're like in the industry, mm-hmm. people see it as you just blowing your money, spending your time while you could be out doing other things that you're huddled up and on a couch in your house, Mm -hmm. you know, eating popcorn. As opposed to them who are huddled up on their couch watching the Cardassians. Okay, but let's be fair. That person is becoming a less and less, um, you know, prevalent force in the world. Right. The person who's like, oh, you still read comics? It, it, it's becoming less and less. Be, well, it's, you know. Yeah, no, it is. It yeah. is like I said, it's few and far between. But when it happens, mm-hmm. you know, I can't help but take it a little personally. Mm-hmm. And as far as taking somebody who doesn't read comics at all, mm-hmm. I would give them something like the sword yeah. because it is human characters. Mm-hmm. She's not a superhero. She has superpowers, but she is not superhero. She is. Her whole story is fueled on the love of her family and the opportunity to right the wrongs that had just been, you know, committed mm-hmm. upon her. And I think that anybody that's ever lost somebody or multiple people that are so close to them that they've felt that passion of revenge and they've felt that wanting to, you know, uh, anybody would. Mm-hmm. And I just I just think that that would be a good place to be like, listen, you know, you don't read comics, but this is what comics could be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, all their stuff is like that, right? I mean, th- that's that's a good point. I mean, th- it's very specific to. I know this person <laughs> the, the, on Twitter. They wanted like choose one, but the the thing is, is that there are different people for different stories, right? Mm-hmm. If I want somebody, if I want to show somebody, for me, what's like the top comic book story you could ever read. I would give them Watchmen and say read this because and then they and then the problem with that though is they come back and they go okay what else can I read that's like this and I would go well really nothing you know because there isn't yeah. anything else like this like Alan Moore did a singular thing with these characters this is not how most comic books read you know um, for good or ill in, in either yeah. way so everybody should read that book 
but everybody should read that. Like they, sh- everybody should read Catcher in the Rye or The Great right. Gatsby or whatever. You know, yeah, that- in the context of reading a lot of other things. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing a lot with like you know Dark Knight Returns and the Killing Joke. The thing with those books is that they're such singular visions by creators that I don't think they're gonna. If somebody reads that and then tries to go read a regular Batman story, they're gonna be almost turned off by it. Because it's not what they're reading, you know. If they love that, they're not going to get that when they go to a regular Batman story. Um, and and then there's something like if if I, if I was going to like have you know tell somebody who wasn't a superhero who thought that was like lame, I wouldn't give them a superhero book. I'd give them something like Scott Pilgrim or something like that, which is a book that is it's great, you know, and yeah. anybody can read it, and it will get you have a ton of fun doing it. But if I was going to give a, a one arc to somebody, and I thought about this, and it's not necessarily the best superhero arc I've ever read, but if I was going to give somebody who really wanted to read superhero comics, who was like, I want to read something that's going to be cool, and something I think that would make them go, I want to know more, it would be the Green Lantern Rebirth, um, Jeff Johnson, that was written. Um, it has a, just enough confusion to it where you'll be like, I don't know what's going on with some of these things, but it's so well written that it makes you want to explore the stuff that you don't know. You know, it's big, it's huge, it's epic, it's got life and death and, you know, multiple characters, and it gives you such a swath of what comic book storytelling is kind of about at this point, you know, that if you're in for that story, I think you'd be in to read just about anything, you know? And honestly, last summer before the 52 came out, that was one of the first things I read kind of getting back into comics. And it's what made me go, okay, I want to start reading more now because I really love this storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I was close to saying Marvels. That's a good one but too. But yeah, o- only again. because it's so dense. Yeah. That it, it, it's, in, it's so inherent that in, in Marvel's history that it's all tied together unless yeah. you know sort of what these things are going on but because oh, it's told yeah. at a human level yeah. you might find yourself saying I want to read about maybe yeah the X-Men or the Fantastic Four and yeah. Galactus because it's all in there mm-hmm. yeah if I, I just it, when you said uh, Marvel's it just occurred to me that if I had to choose something with the major the, the big two mm-hmm. it would be uh, Kingdom Come yeah, yeah Kingdom Come is great and that was actually one of the things that I read before I was really reading comics I read that and was like this is great you know, um, I will also say that another thing, if you like Spider-Man, um, this new run is great, the Ultimate Comic Spider-Man, but the death of, uh, the death of Spider-Man yeah. arc right before it, there'll be some things you don't understand, but it's really well-written, it's really fun, it's really action-packed, and it's really emotional. And it will really give you a good sense of um, comic book storytelling as far as like mainline comic book storytelling. I'm going to blow the number of this issue, so whoever wants to correct me online, <laughs> go right ahead. Um, it's, I think, in the original run, Spider-Man 27, okay. Lee and Ditko. Spidey has to get medicine to Aunt May, who's having her 14th heart attack or whatever it is. And <laughs> st- uh, ends Too much Tybo. <laughs> ends up trapped under this gigantic piece of subway car-sized machinery mm-hmm. and can't get out. It's beyond his ability to do anything about Mm-hmm. And it's a whole issue of him thinking in his head all his responsibilities, all that has to happen mm-hmm. if he can't do what he needs to do. And in the, uh, what but then, what, unfortunately, will become typical the one last great effort after page after page of being trapped under this machinery. Spider Man, because he's Peter Parker, because he's, he's Ben Parker's nephew, mm-hmm. 
lifts this machine that he can't lift off himself mm -hmm. to go do what he has to do. Mm -hmm. And if there's one issue that ever defined that character, if you want to say if there's one issue of Spider-Man, mm -hmm. that might be the one. Yeah. All right. All right, then. All right. So um, we had a couple more questions, but that's all we're going to get to today. <gasps> um, I'm all pumped now. <laughs> thank you, thanks, everybody, for writing in. And oh, we didn't get to questions today. We'll get to them another day. We promise you. Um, so before we get out of here, though, we're going to tell you what's on the shelves right now. That's my good favorite today, part of the show. Including something very big starting today. It's true. Um, from Boom, we have Extermination, number one. We have Fanboys versus Zombies, number three. That's Me. big. Garfield, number two. <laughs> Yeah, Garfield versus zombies. Yeah. I hate to say, Higher Earth number one and Superbia number four. Superbia. I that was actually pretty good. Who knows? I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> Stephanie would know, but she's not here. <laughs> From DC, Ooh. we have Action Comics number ten. We have Animal yeah. Man number ten. Yeah. We have Batwing number ten. We have Before Watchmen, <gasps> Minutemen <gasps> number it. one. Yeah, that's the one. It's starting big. You'll definitely see a review of that on the site um, this week. Uh, Detective Comics number ten, yeah. uh, Dial H number two, yeah. Earth two number two, yeah, yeah we'll see. Uh, Ferris number four, hooray! GI Combat number two, awesome three. cover. Oh yeah, it's it's great. It's brilliant. <laughs> dinosaurs? No. Oh, too bad. <laughs> Green Arrow number ten. More dinosaurs. I'm saying. <laughs> I Zombie number twenty six. Justice League International number ten. Looney Tunes number T number T O seven two O seven. Night Force number four of six. Red Lanterns number ten. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? <gasps> number 22. Um, the print version of Smallville Season 11, number 2. Yeah. Stormwatch, number 10. Swamp Thing, number 10. Yay. Sweet Tooth, number 34. And World's Finest, number 2. Um, from Dynamite, we have Boys, number 67. Lone Ranger, number 6. Pantha, number 1. Pantha. Uh, Prophecy. Prophecy, number 1 as Which well. Which has yes. got... Every one of their heroes and Sherlock Holmes and all sorts of people oh, really? folded together into some 2012 oh, neat. Ooh, apocalypse might thing. Might check that out. Yeah, I, I hmm. may have to myself. Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World, number 26. Spider, number two. Master of Men. Um, Voltron, year one, number he three. Is. And Zorro Rides Again, nice, number He has a 10. nice hat. <laughs> Love it's Voltron, year one, number three. In case you, did, in case you really want to know huh. the secret origin. Of Voltron. Voltron doesn't have a nice hat, so who cares? <laughs> um, from IDW, 30 Days of Night, number eight. We have G.I. Joe, number 14. Yo, Joe! <laughs> we have um, Popeye, number two, and Trio, number two. Trio, number two. Yay! From Image, we have Artifacts, number 18. We have Creator-Owned Heroes, number one. Which what is, is that, also, exactly? like a, I think, a, like a crossover book of theirs, oh, which ooh. should be interesting. Um uh, Epic Kill number two. Sweet. Hack Slash number 16. Um, Morning Glories number 19. Yay. Mudman number four. Secret number two. Yay. Spawn number 220. Mm. Um, <laughs> Super Dinosaur number 11. Thief of Thieves number Super five. Dinosaur. Yay. From Marvel, we have Age of Apocalypse number four. Blech. Um, we have <laughs> Avengers Academy number 31. Uh. Avengers versus X Men number five. Ugh. We it's shall over. See. It's <laughs> over. Yes. We it's shall over. What are you talking There's 12. No? Yes, there's, there's 12. 12 of them. 12? There's 12. Oh, Two weeks. God. They're coming back at you. <laughs> it's number five of 12. Um, it can't be five of five. <laughs> Dark Avengers, number 175. Ugh. Defenders, number seven. Fury yes. Max, number three. Hulk. Fleetwood Mac? What was that? Fury Max, oh, okay. number three. Hulk, <laughs> number 53. Invincible Iron Man, number 518. Journey into Mystery, number 639. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah, um, I'm, uh, that and that arc... Yeah, that whole exile thing. Yeah, totally got me buying that book. Um, if you want to, I'll let you borrow the arc right before that. 
Okay. It's awesome. Um, Mighty Thor Annual number one. Um, That's linked to the other annuals, isn't it? That's in. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's oh. Alan, Alan Davis, Excalibur, Clandestine, whole. Excalibur. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Fools. Toy Story number four, Ultimate Comic Spider Man number 11, Uncanny X Men number 13, which I'm also excited about, Winter Soldier number six. Yes. And X Factor number 237. Another goodie. Yep. And I think that is it for this week. And so that is it for Talking Comics for this week. Um, as we have said, if you want to get in contact with us on Twitter, at Talking Comics, info at TalkingComicBooks.com, or um, go to TalkingComicBooks.com and look for articles, reviews, um, the podcast, and other <laughs> such sundry wares. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> what are you buying? <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's apropos for the for it being or, E3. or the, the newest one from Diablo. I yeah. work my hands to the bone <laughs> to bring you these fine goods. Um, and also, I want to let everybody know. Um, actually, want to give our personal Twitter handles out. Um, because I know some people ask me, like they've started following me and been like, "Oh, I didn't know that you were, you know, this was your Twitter handle." Mine is at Bobby Shortle. It's B O B B Y S H O R T L E. And Steve's is at- mine is uh, at. Oh, can I do it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Mine is uh, at Dead Anchorus. Uh, there is an underscore between Dead and Anchorus. If okay. If you want the story of that, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob doesn't have a Twitter, but um, he does have I an see. email address if he wants to give that out. <laughs> I, people want to? Yeah, sure. sure. Go ahead. RRR2442 at yahoo.com. So there you go. If you want to get in contact with Bob, there you go. You really should just get a Twitter, man. You just open the floodgates. <laughs> No, well, if it goes into my spam with all the Viagra ads or whatever, <laughs> it'll just get deleted. So be, be from like a real email address and you got a shot. There you go. Um, so again, thank you listeners for your questions and comments. It's been great. It's been two weeks in a row. You guys have been just you know, fantastic with this. So we them, really... Them, not the two of us. No, not you two. Forget <laughs> you two. Suck. Um, we really, really appreciate it. And again, like I said, before Watchmen starts this week, so if you're picking it up, message us at Talking Comics and let us know what you think because it is a big ass deal. Um, all right. So that's it for Talking Comics. For Steve. Yo, yo. Bob. Aloha. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Continued.